0: You're listening to Recovery Nuggets Podcast, where we give you recovery nuggets to chew on and think about on your journey in recovery and on the path, featuring your host, David Clement. What's up, all you recovery nuggets out there? This is another mini nugget. Mini nugget. It is August 2nd. And it is the dog days of summer. And I just wanted to check in and I've had something on my mind that I wanted to do a mini nugget about, and that is the story of buddy. And it is in relation to pets and recovery. And I will get to buddy in a minute, but you know, I was always a cat person. Growing up, I had cats. I had Sweet Pea, Popeye. And then in New York City, when I went up there, I had Max. And I got Max. He was a big yellow cat. I got him from a, a friend named Patty, and she had moved away. So she asked me if I wanted him because the first time I met him, it was like, that is my cat. I mean, he, it was just like there was something about him. And, he, you know, he just took to me, and he was a New York City cat. And there was a time when I had Jazz and Max, but Jazz just didn't like the apartment. And so I gave her to a friend of mine named Neil. But Max was kind of like my spiritual connection with an animal that I'd never had before. He would, um, he could kind of count. Like if I tapped him twice, he would flip his tail twice. If I tapped him once, he would flip his tail once and so on. And uh, he just had a real distinct way of talking to me. You know, he'd go, oh, wow. So he purr a little bit and then meow. And uh, I had him for a long time. And then as my addiction got worse, I moved to the lower east side of Manhattan down on Rivington Street. And I had him and everything was cool there, but it was a much smaller apartment. And. So I had got this cat named Mango from a friend of mine, and he was just, he was a wild cat. So him and Max did not blend very well together at all. So I asked my mom if I could bring Max to Virginia, where I grew up, and the house I grew up in had a pet door in the basement. So I took Max and Mango down to Virginia and... Mango ended up being a country cat out near where my grandma lived in West Virginia, but Max stayed with my mom for a long time. In fact, it was probably, I don't know, 10 or 12 years until, you know, I had gotten clean, and then I had gotten married, and she asked me if I wanted to take Max back, so you know she had done a lot of the uh, she had taken care of the responsibilities of a cat for years and now it was my turn and so he came down and then at the time we had this cat named Maggie she was a manx she didn't have a tail and she they were both older and so you know he was with me um, he was with me for about I would say six to nine months. And then it was a Sunday morning. No, it was a Monday morning. I had just started a new job. So I guess that was 2012. And he, I woke up, I was getting ready to go to work and I stood up, you know, we had a good weekend and then I saw him laying in the front yard and I knew something was wrong. And um, I felt really bad because the night before he was making a lot of noise and and I was kind of mean to him. Well, what I thought was mean, I just was, I was just frustrated. And, um, <clears throat> excuse my voice. My, I'm still, COVID's still kind of making its way out of my body, but I'm actually feeling really good. And, uh, so I ran out, picked him up, and he was gone. And I, I took him in the backyard and just held him. And I have never cried in my life as much as I cried that day and I think it was because he was with me before my addiction, during my addiction, and we were away from each other for a long time and then I just loved that cat so much. I've never had a connection with a cat or an animal in general like I did with Max and I share that because that unconditional love that a pet can show us and give us is something that if you don't have kids or it's just something that you just can't explain. I mean, and I was overwhelmed and it it felt good to cry that, that much. And really, um, just express my love for this animal because he had been so such a faithful animal to me, even though I couldn't always be with him. And, uh, it was very difficult and I, I called in and I, I went into work late and then I had to, you know, I had to bury him that afternoon and it was tough, but I was grateful that it got to come it came full circle that I got to see him and be able to take care of him at the end of his life, and take him and take him to the vet, and feed him, and all the stuff that went along with Max. And you know, this isn't a, this isn't meant to be a sad episode. I'm just sharing how pets and unconditional love can relate to our recovery because um, recovery's taught me a lot about unconditional love and people accepting you where you are, no matter where you're at on your path in recovery. If you're a newcomer, if you're a crotchety old timer, or if someone relapsed or whatever, um, we're it's about the path and learning to accept things as they are. And uh, that's what pets show us. And, you know, um, not too long after that, Maggie, the cat, passed away and uh, we had a fish that passed away and then not too long after that, I got divorced in recovery and well I went through a separation and it was it was one of the most emotionally painful things that I ever went through. And at that time, I was lost. I mean i I, I had no I had no ground. There there was nothing. It was like the life that I had been working for in recovery was gone after like a five minute conversation and I didn't see it coming. And so, you know, it was very difficult and I, I was angry. I was upset. I was confused. There was so much that I, I just didn't understand. And so, I made a commitment to myself that I wasn't going to use. I wasn't going to. That's the only thing that I committed to myself during that time. One of the most painful times of my life. And so I did that. <clears throat> I definitely withdrew. I was very sad. I was hurt. I was angry. I was lonely tired and I remember I would get up in the middle of the night because I couldn't sleep and I would just clean and I would go to work. I'd be dog tired because I would get up at like two in the morning and clean till it was time to go to work. And then I would come home and sleep for, I mean, it was just, it was a tough time. And sometimes in in recovery, there's not much between me and using except for me and a higher power and the work I've done to stay clean and and recover. And sometimes there's not a handbook for, um, finding out that your relationship is over in an instant. It's just not something that can heal in five minutes. And so during this period, there was a gray cat that used to hang around my house. And the house that I lived in back then was in a downtown area. It still is. I still have it. But um, when I first moved there in 04, this cat's father was around. And the reason I know this is because the neighbors had lived there for 30 years. So they knew the cat and then they knew the, the original cat was named Scully and he used to hang out on my porch and he looked, he was a really mean looking gray cat and he, he didn't move fast for anything. And you know, he always kept his distance, but he did hang out around my house. Cut to when I'm, I'm trying to rebuild my life and you know, (laughs) it's funny how the universe God works in mysterious ways. Well, apparently Scully had had some offspring and this, this particular cat looked just like him. And he walked the same way and he looked kind of grumpy. And buddy started, I would come home from work and he would post up on my porch just like his dad did and I'm not hundred percent sure that it's definitely Scully's son, but myself and the neighbors, we all agree. It probably was. And so as time went on and I was going through this process, you know, it was time for me to maybe, I challenged myself to see if I could make this cat a little more friendly. And it, it was a slow process. Like, I just went and got some dry cat food, and I put out little bowls on the front porch. I would shut the door, and then he would come back. And this went on for probably two or three months. If I opened the door, he would run off. And then eventually, the back door had a pet door, so I didn't start close to the back door. I just started making sure he saw me and i would put the food in the backyard a decent uh, a decent distance away from the door same food and the whole time i was talking to him I'm like hey buddy and that's that's why he i named him buddies cuz i was just hey buddy and this went on for another probably 2 or 3 months and eventually i started to move the bowl towards the door and eventually i moved the the bowl right at the door and then probably a few weeks later, I, I had the screen door propped open to where it was entrance into the house. And I set the bowl right inside the door. And so eventually he would come in and he would eat and I would just stand there. And eventually I would just barely touch his tail and he would hiss at me, but he kept eating, you know, cause uh, you know, I mean, he's got to do what he's got to do, right? He's got to get his food. And um, so eventually, I got him to eat and drink water inside the door. And one day, the the door actually had a pet door from the cat's previous. And so eventually, I let the screen door shut. And then I showed him with, like, i I took a broom and propped the pet door open. And then he immediately ran out. And so then this was kind of training him to show that he could come in and out. Now I wasn't ready to make him an indoor cat or my cat or whatever, but it was starting to get colder. And then it got to be like January or February and the weather snapped and it was super cold. And I set the food out there and one day I could hear him on the front porch meowing. It was that cold. And so I went to the front door and I saw him and I said, all right, I should probably let him in. And he could, and then I'm like, so I let, I opened the door and I opened the front door and he came barging in. And then I think we, it was like, we both looked at each other like, wait a minute, do we want to do this? Is this like a real thing? Are we going to think, are we going to be a team or what? And then I had second thoughts because I didn't know if he had shots or anything. He had a clipped ear because he had been fixed from, I guess, the um, Friends of Feline. I think that's the name of the organization. So I kind of rattled the door, and he ran back out. And I, I felt bad, but I went ahead and made a styrofoam. I, I took an old plastic bin and cut a hole in it and put styrofoam and cloth in there and put it under my art studio and was kind of hoping he would find it so he could have some shelter from the the cold. And then eventually... I'm, I, he started to come in the back door, but he couldn't figure out how to. He, no, he could get in, but he did, couldn't figure out how to get out. So one day he came in, I let the door shut, and then I showed it to him, and then I went to get something to eat. I, and when I came back, he was gone. So he had figured it out. So eventually, He started to come in at night and he, I had this little kitchen table. It was like an L-shaped wooden kitchen nook. And he started to come in and stay there at night. And then I'd hear him go out. So he was starting to be my cat. So I gave him some flea medicine and then I would feed him twice a day. And then he had gotten more used to me petting his tail and then you know how cats like to be Their heads to be scratched and go down their spine and everything so then eventually he he really did trust me and so eventually it got to the point where i could pick him up and so he became my cat and then you know he eventually i took him to see my friend becca at the vet and that was quite traumatic because once I got him in the, the kennel to take him there, I mean, he flipped out. I mean, I thought he was going to have like a heart attack. He was drooling and, you know, Becca was telling me she'd love seeing people bring their pets in because they she sees a different side of people, you know, because I know I was an, I was probably more of a nervous wreck than Buddy was. And he was rough looking. I mean, he was drooling and foaming at the mouth. So got him some shots and he was my cat. and he was a character. I mean, he would, he was still wild. So one day I saw him run up a tree and he was chasing a squirrel and he jumped and he, and I, at the time I was meditating in the back room of my house. So I could see the yard and the trees. And so I'm meditating and I'm just kind of staring out the window. And then all of a sudden buddy's just hanging from a limb because he had jumped up there to try to get something, and he was just hanging, and then eventually he got down. But he was—he still was a pretty badass hunter, you know, and he liked to toy with stuff. One day I was in the... I pulled in from work, and I saw him in the backyard in the driveway, and it looked like he was messing with something. So he had his paw down, and then he would let it go, and then he'd run up and put his paw down, and I'm like, what is he doing? So he eventually... He let it go and it was a mouse and he would chase the mouse and he just hold it down and kind of he kind of torture it. And then when I got out, he just grabbed it and then took it and he did something with it. I don't know. Um, but he. He just had a way of like. He totally softened up. And it was one of the best things that. I did because I learned patience and. I learned to practice some new things like patience and and unconditional love and and kind of accepting him where he was at, and he accepted me where I was at. And we we needed each other at that time. And um, you know what's funny about that pet door is that he was real protective of the house, except for raccoons. He would let so I had a raccoon problem at one point. And the way the way that I discovered it was like you could hear the pet door and it when he would come in, it would go because it had a magnet. So every time he come in, OK, there's Buddy. So one night I'm watching a movie and then I hear that and I look over to my left and Buddy was on the couch and I was like, oh, no. And I look down there and I see these beady eyes and it was a raccoon eating Buddy's food. Right. So I'm like, oh, no. So now I've got a raccoon problem. And then the, <laughs> the worst part was towards the end of the raccoon problem, I, I looked over there one night, I heard that there were three raccoons in the back in my house eating cat food. And I was like, oh my God, this has got to stop. So buddy, buddy was like, he invited him in the crib, you know. Hey, come on in, eat some cat food. There's flooding in here. Um, but now When it came to birds, he was, he was no joke with the birds. One time I'm sitting there and I think my, I think my dad was in town and we were out there talking and whatever, and we're sitting there and all of a sudden you just, he pounced and you just see the bird fly off, but you see all these feathers. Like it was a puff of feathers and uh, he didn't get that one, but on another occasion I was watching him. And he got a bird and I'm like, oh man, I can't believe he got that bird. So I go out there and I run him off and I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, little bird. And I looked to the left of that bird and there was the head and a body of another bird. So he was like, he was taking people out and I had bird feeders back there at the time. So I, I felt like I was setting them up for the kill, you know? So I had to get rid of the bird feeders because buddy was not playing around. I mean, he was like, <laughs> he was taking them out. so you know eventually uh he just he was my cat i love that cat and um you know i had started seeing janet at the time and uh i i had an art opening and we had gone to the art opening that night and before that i need to back up a little bit about a week before that uh, janet was over and we we're at the house and I'd started spending a lot of time where I live now. And it was like, buddy came in and it was so weird, but he looked at both of us and he looked back at me and it was like, he knew I was all right. And Janet will back this up. Like she, she said, yeah, he looked at us like he knew that you were going to be all right. And then he, He rolled out, and then we did whatever we were going to do, and we went back over to Janet's house or whatever. And that was the last time I saw him. And for the next three or four days, it might have been almost a week. You know, I knew something wasn't right because cats always roll out in the evening. They run around and prowl around. and But I knew something wasn't right. I just had a feeling. And, um, so I started to, I started to kind of walk around the neighborhood and look for him the first day, just calling for him, see if, you know, he was around. Cause I, sometimes I would see him and he'd be posted up on somebody else's porch. And so over the next, I guess, four or five days and going around the neighborhood, I would talk to people and I'd say, Hey, have you seen my cat buddy? He, um, you know, I hadn't seen him in a couple days. Just wanted to see if you've seen him. And he said, you know, a couple of the people said, no, I haven't seen him. but he comes over here and eats food too. (laughs) And, uh, I'm like, for real? They're like, yeah, he comes over and eats our cat's food up on our porch. And they had a orange cat and, uh, that's the neighbor across the street. And so that was one neighbor. And then my neighbor, Reggie, He said Buddy would come down his driveway and set off his motion uh, alarm. So every morning he would go back there and use the bathroom. And Reggie would say he he's staring in his security cameras and he'd hear the bing bong. And he goes, oh, Reggie called him pimp because (laughs) Buddy had this way of walking. Like he kind of he kind of strutted like he was, you know, he was not in a hurry and he. He just had this stroll about him. Like he, he wasn't impressed by anything, and he didn't move very fast at all unless he he was trying to chase a bird. And so Reggie would tell me stories about him. And then I went down the other way, and a couple of other neighbors said, yeah, we used to see him all the time. He, we'd come home, and he'd be sitting on our porch. And uh, so I got to hear all these stories about Buddy <laughs> around the neighborhood that he had. I thought he was my cat, but apparently he was still, he had his, uh, he just had his inclinations to bounce around and eat off other people's food and use their porch. And it, it was really, it was neat. You know, it was just a neat way to get to know him better and, and also talk to my neighbors and and kind of say, well, all right, he's he's probably all right. So we went to this art opening and when we came back, you know, we went back to my art studio and uh, we were looking around and, uh, you know, we just had a feeling and then we we just went under the and he was laying under the art, the, under my art studio. And. It was like, I don't know, it, it just was like he knew that I was OK and he knew where i spent a lot of time and he went up under there and 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 he rolled out and i'm glad that i was able to find him because he helped me so much during one of the darkest periods of my life in so many different ways you know learning to love again learning to love unconditionally learning taking care of something else and selflessly, and being patient, and learning to heal again, and so it just was. It came full circle again because of a pet, and my my friend Becca sent me told me about the Rainbow Bridge, what I which I didn't know about, but uh, it's a beautiful poem, and uh, or story I can't remember, but. <clears throat> Sometimes in recovery, even though it's not about the using, it can be about painful life on life's terms situations, you know. And uh, the night that I found out that I was getting divorced, I it was late and I called my friend Jeff. Actually, I texted him, I said, Are you up? And he said, Yeah, man. So I talked to him probably for about an hour and uh, he knew something was up because. I'm I'm a pretty regular go to bed be you know I don't talk on the phone after 9 anymore I just that's just not my routine anymore but and then I stayed up all night and painted and talked to my higher power and prayed and and there was something about it that as painful as it was I knew it was for the best and I just kept saying thank you I just kept saying thank you and I, I didn't know why. But I know that building up to it, it had gotten to where something didn't feel right and it there wasn't there was something off and on both sides, you know, not just because of the way it it went down. And uh I'm not here to talk bad about, you know, anyone, you know, we all have our paths in life and um our paths just separated at that point. And, um, you know, buddy came into my life and, and I appreciated that. I was able to talk to my good friend, Jeff that night and I didn't want to hurt myself. I wanted the pain to stop, but that's how I got clean in the first place. I wanted the pain to stop and the drugs were causing the pain at that point. And so. Buddy it's just a character. I can see him now. I mean, he, he turned into this big, softy, he loved to have his belly padded and he roll around and he loved tuna. And you know, he loved to just hang out. If, If I was in the house, he was, he wanted to be in the room where I was at. And so we came a long way together and it came full circle. And so that's the story of buddy. And I never was a dog person. And not that I don't like dogs, that wasn't it. I just never wanted a dog because it was a lot more work, you know, a cat you can let go in and out. In fact, buddy was such an outside cat that I never even had a litter box because he could go in and out of that pet door. And so I never introduced it. And that way he, he could just keep doing what he needed to do outside. And, um, so as I got to the point in my life now, you know, Janet, had this dog, Sophie. And so she told me that Sophie did not like men. And to be careful when Sophie was around because she was very, she could be a little aggressive to men or kind of just stand off it. But one of the first times I went, came over here, she ran out the back and I'm like, Oh boy, here we go. This could be dicey. Well, she jumped right in my lap and was just like, Hey, what are you doing? What are you doing? Hi, what are you doing? And, uh, Janet was kind of surprised. She's just like, damn, he doesn't, she doesn't do that. She didn't really know, like men. So Sophie and I have a awesome relationship now and we walk her twice a day. She's got toys and she loves her belly rubbed and chewing on bones. She's really turned into quite the dog and uh so now you know i'm a dog person i love cats and dogs i was thinking about naming this nugget cats and dogs but it really was about the story of buddy and how certain relationships can really help you in recovery especially when you're in a lot of pain and uh, there used to be a guy around here that said when you first get clean or sober and you want to get in a relationship, get a plant. And if you keep the plant alive for a year, then, then get a pet. And if you keep the pet alive for a year, then you get into relationship. And, um, it's kind of funny, but you know, we learn about relationships by being in a relationship. We can't intellectualize a relationship and, and have all this, these check marks that are, have to be perfect or that relationship's not going to work. That's just not how life is. You know, it's a, that's a form of control. I mean, we learn about relationships by being in a relationship. So, I mean, buddy taught me that and I'm grateful for him and I'm grateful for everyone listening. Uh, I've had a new podcast, reach out to me about uh, sharing episodes, actually a couple of episodes. So I'm looking forward to doing that. And, um, You know, this is the slow part of the summer, so there's a lot less engagement on social media as far as I can tell. I mean, people are still doing things and the podcast is still rolling along. So I'm lining up guests for the fall and, you know, I will keep putting out mini nuggets right now. And if I get some interviews, I'll post them every week, but I'm going to keep consistent. And I hope you enjoyed the story of Buddy and this mini nugget. So I hope you're well. I hope you get out and get some sun or get in the pool, go to the beach, go to the mountains, do something fun. Give yourself a break. I really appreciate you listening to the podcast. And you are helping me continue on my recovery path. And for that, I am grateful. Much love. Thank you so, so much. Thanks again for listening to Recovery Nuggets podcast. I want to thank our guests this week. And uh, if you want to get in touch with the show, you can reach out on Instagram at Recovery Nuggets Podcast. And the email is recovery nuggets podcast at gmail.com. Also, like and subscribe on Spotify and Apple. And be great if you leave a five-star review that really helps out the podcast. And I uh, really want to thank you for showing up for your recovery today. Disclaimer. Recovery Nuggets podcast and guests are not representatives of any 12-step program. I am not a doctor, counselor, or therapist. I share my experiences, strength, and hope. Guests of the show share their personal experiences and opinions. Take what you like and leave the rest. Each person's journey in recovery is unique. Thank you for listening to Recovery Nuggets podcast.